You may be seated. How about another round of applause for the kids? They did a great job. That's a, that's a tough act to follow right there. If, uh, if you couldn't get enough of that, they'll be back next service. They're doing another performance right at the beginning. And so if you came in during the middle and you thought, oh, that was cute, I want to get pictures or see it again, uh, stick around for the next service. And also, I don't think they're in the room anymore, but a big thank you to those adults that helped put it together, Paula and Heather and, and probably many other. Uh, absolutely, you can applaud for them too. And uh, if you see them in the hallways or afterwards, tell them a big thank you. That they were, they've been working on that for months, so um, big thank you to them for that. So what, nine days till Christmas? It's coming up. This is a pretty fun time of year, isn't it? Well, it's good to see you all. We haven't met. My name is Ryan, and uh, glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, Sue mentioned it earlier in the service, but in your bulletin, we have this uh, invite card here is what we're calling it this morning. You've seen it before, but I just want to mention one more time. I want to encourage you, ask you if you would to take this, and this has good information for you, but would you take this and share it with somebody else? Did you know that Christmas is one of those times a year that people are open to coming to church? They just want to be asked, and we can put ads out, and we have, and we can, you know, put things in different publications, but the number one way people respond to coming to any kind of invitation is a personal invitation. It's you going and saying, I would love if you would come with me. Would you be my guest? Can we go together? I'll meet you there, and here's some information. So this is for you to share with someone else, and so my encouragement is over this next week, if there's somebody that you know, so a neighbor, a family member, co-worker, somebody like that, if you would uh, extend this to them and just offer it to them, I bet they'll say yes. And so a great tool to invite somebody to Christmas. Okay, hey, we're going to continue on with our sermon series called Uncluttered Christmas. And we have been talking for the last several weeks about how to make room for what really matters this time of year. You know and I know that Christmas is one of those times of year that things get very cluttered. We're, we're busy, there's stress, there's pressures, there's expectations, all these things kind of coming at us. And, and, uh, and so it's easy for things to feel cluttered this time of year. In fact, I read a stat this week that uh, polled Americans in seven. 75% of Americans in this polling said that they approach Christmas with a sense of dread and not joy. That's incredible. That's a lot of people. And so our goal of this sermon series has been to step back and say, you know what? Can we do Christmas different? Can we change the script and can we approach it in a different way? Can we make room for what really matters? And what really matters is Jesus. And so what we've been doing is looking at different mindsets and way to approach it. We've talked about approaching it with gratitude. We've talked about approaching Christmas with a sense of humility, a sense of compassion. Last week we talked about surrender. This week we're going to take on a different topic. And it's going to be a little bit of a shorter message this morning, but regardless, it's an important one. This morning we're going to talk about something that can get absolutely cluttered up during the Christmas season, and that is relationships. We're going to talk about relationships this morning a little bit. Because we know at Christmas time it is so easy to experience moments of conflict, of hard memories, of unmet expectations. All these kinds of things can come up into our lives and, and make this time of year a little bit difficult. And so if you have your bulletin, if you turn over the backside, please, and, and uh, with your pen there, let me give you our first fill in the blank, which is really our big idea this morning. And there it is. This Christmas, we want to make room for right relationships. We want to make room for right relationships this Christmas. And so what I want to do this morning, again, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter message, 
But I want to talk about three different ways we can, we can approach and think about relationships this Christmas to help us in this area of making room for right relationships. So again, we're going to move kind of quickly here, but let's go ahead and get started this morning. Here is the first big idea. The first one is this, that this Christmas, let's strive to be focused. Be focused. Now, what I mean by that specifically is that we would at Christmas time take time to focus on the relationships that matter most. And really, what I'm talking about this morning is our relationship with God. That we would make sure that we take time this Christmas to make sure our relationship is right with Him first. That we would take time to make him a priority this Christmas. Because we know how it goes. At Christmas time, Jesus is the one thing that oftentimes get pushed to the side and neglected. But we don't want to do that. There's a verse up on the screen there. We're going to be in different places this morning. So you can follow along in your Bible or just on the screen behind. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I think it says it really well. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, and he, speaking of God, will give you all that you need from day to day... Now, it's a conditional promise. That's a promise there. He says, look, I'll give you all that you need day by day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. That's an incredible promise there. He says, look, I'll provide for you all that you need day by day by day. But, but here's your part. Your part is that you would live for me, that you would make me, speaking of God now, in my kingdom, your primary concern. As we already talked about, we know at Christmas time, a million things can clutter up our focus on him. But my encouragement is to carve out time this Christmas, if you haven't already, to focus or refocus on God. So what does this mean? This means that making sure that we spend time with him, that, that we're reading in the Bible and we're spending time in prayer. And if you're like, well, I don't even know where to start, then you can pick one of the Gospels. It begins with the birth of Christ and working through that. Another idea is if you have a tablet or smartphone or online, go to uversion.com and you can read through Scripture there. But also they have devotionals and reading plans that you can utilize. But we're getting time in Scripture where we're spending time with Him in that way. So it looks like spending time with Him. It looks like praising Him. So, so singing to him, this, and Christmas has the most incredible songs of the year in, in, in Christmas songs. And so, so sing to him in the car, sing to him in the shower, sing to him in the middle of Walmart. I mean, whatever it works for you, that you spend time, I came about Walmart, some of you had a panic look on your face, like I wouldn't, okay. Anyway, but the point is praising God throughout the year and throughout this time of year. It also looks like obedience. See, when we strive to live for him, as we see here, and we make him our primary concern, he'll give you all that you need day by day. And you know this promise extends to another area of your life. It extends to the area of your life of your relationships with others. So here's the key. When you make him your primary focus, your primary concern, your relationship with God, what he says is that he'll give you all that you need day by day to help you in your relationships with other people. And we need that, don't we? He says, I'll provide what you need. See, as you're spending time with God and he begins to work in your life, what's going to happen is he's going to give you the ability, he's going to give you all that you need to be more loving toward the other people in your life. He's going to give you the ability to be patient and kind with people. 
And so whether you're talking about family members, you're talking about extended family, you know, the crazy uncle that comes around at Christmas and knows how to push all your buttons and all that kind of thing and tries your patience, he'll give you what you need even to love and to relate well in that situation. He'll help you right where you're at. And so my first encouragement this morning as we think about right relationships at Christmas, making room for that, is that we all strive to be focused first and most on God. And when we do that, he'll give you all that you need to help you in your relationships with others, which leads to our number two point. Our number two point of encouragement is this, is that we would not only be focused, but we would also be forgiving. Be forgiving. This is a harder one, isn't it? It's so much easier to to not go there, to not deal with that. But boy, at Christmas season, there's lots of opportunities, isn't there, to, to have relationship stress, to have conflict, and to have moments of, of pressure and, and stress and all of that coming upon you. And so forgiveness and practicing forgiveness is an important time of thing, or can be this time of year. And if you think about the first Christmas, there was lots of opportunity then as well to practice forgiveness. Look with me at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Check this out. Just as one example of conflict around the first Christmas. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, now consider just for a moment, just kind of go with me just for a moment back to this moment here and imagine Joseph, he discovers that his wife, he's engaged, and we talked about this last week, he's legally married to her. They're not living as husband and wife yet, but legally married, and he finds her, discovers that she's pregnant. What's going through his mind? What's going through his heart? I mean, there is no doubt that he is, he's, he's heartbroken, he's angry, we read right here that he's uh, going to divorce her uh, 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 quietly. He's, he's going to end the relationship. I mean, now think about the first time Mary and Joseph, after this discovery, the first time they had an interaction. It's not recorded in Scripture. But what must that have been like? Tension, strong words, anger, tears. I mean, here's this moment of conflict where Mary and Joseph go together, and they've got to figure this thing out. Now, thankfully, God intervenes. The angel shows up for Joseph, reveals what's going on in a dream, and then Joseph and Mary are able to work through it and move forward together for the rest of their lives. But what about, consider this one, what about Mary's parents? Imagine them. They had a moment, too, when they discover that their daughter is pregnant. And that's a tough sell to buy right away that this is through the Holy Spirit. Imagine those moments and that conflict there going on in that household between daughter and parents as they're trying to work through this. Now, we don't know if the parents also received a dream or an angel visit of some kind, but imagine they were probably angry and embarrassed and having all these emotions. Again, conflict is present. So my question this morning is we think about this idea of being forgiving. How do you deal with conflict? When it comes up, not if, but when it comes up in family, how do you deal with it? Look with me at one verse this morning, Ephesians chapter 4. It'll be on the screen behind here, verse 31 and 32. Now, Paul's writing these words, and look what he says. He says, Get rid of all bitterness, 
rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, and here's the key, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. There it is. The command, not the suggestion, but the command that we practice forgiveness. Well, well why should I do that? Because God has forgiven you. He becomes the example in that regard, and he becomes the justification. Now, notice here how anger can grow eventually into malice. Now, malice is, is intending to harm or to do evil to someone else. And we've seen how this can happen, can't we? How something that turns into something that's frustrating can grow. It can grow in our hearts, and it can grow in response towards other people and eventually turn eventually into malice. But here we see that, no, 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 to stop this, we forgive one another. So who makes the first move? You. Well, what about, you know, this situation or that situation? No, it's always you. It's always our opportunity. And if the other party was in this room, I'd say the same thing to them. It's always our opportunity to go first to the other person to extend forgiveness. Because that really, at the end of the day, forgiveness is not about them. It's about you. And it's about your relationship with God. And so at Christmas time, this Christmas, I want to ask the question, who do you need to forgive? Is there some conflict going on in family right now that you need to say, okay, enough is enough. It's time to be forgiving. Because if we don't practice that, then the other option this Christmas is to hang on to bitterness and let it impact or even ruin your Christmas. We need to be focused in our relationship with God we need to be forgiving in our relationship with others. And here's our third point this morning as we begin to wrap up this morning. We need to, this Christmas, when we think about relationships, be flexible. Anybody ever received a Christmas curveball before? You know, or the flight gets delayed because of weather or Amazon two-day shipping turns into two-week shipping and there's stress there or, or a dose of the Christmas flu comes along and it kind of throws curveballs into everything and you had this incredible plan laid out and the plan is out the window. We all have. We've all experienced those moments before where the unexpected comes up. In fact, one of the things you can plan on is plan on things be changing, you know, as you make plans this Christmas. We need to be flexible. And this idea of being flexible is also part of the first Christmas, Mary and Joseph. Here again, we've been talking about their story. We've been talking about all the changes that they've gone through, all the, all the curveballs that they've experienced. Here's another curveball, and they had to be flexible with this one. Because here, Mary and Joseph, they worked through the conflict that we just talked about. They came together. She continues to progress in her pregnancy. And then, surprise, Christmas curveball, they have to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem for a census. It wasn't optional. They had to go. Joseph had to go. And since Mary was his wife, she had to go with him. The timing wasn't ideal. It wasn't the time to do this for her. But they had no choice. They had to go. Now, the Nazareth is in the north, and Bethlehem's in the south. It's a 75, approximately 75-mile journey that they had to take, that she had to take, very pregnant, uh, to get to Bethlehem. That's essentially like walking or going by uh, a donkey or whatever kind of mode of transportation they had from here, Adel, to, say, Pella. That's about 75 miles. It should have taken them about five days to make this journey. That's typically what it took during this time. This is a curveball that they had to go through, but nonetheless, they do it because they had to. They make this trip require that they were flexible. Another curveball 
Jesus ends up being born in Bethlehem. They didn't get back in time to Nazareth for his birth. And so here they are, as you know the story we'll be talking more about next week. We have the story of them in a surprise scenario where there's no room in the inn having Jesus, Mary giving birth to Jesus there in Bethlehem. Now that required that they stay longer in the community of Bethlehem. And so they stayed there for the eight days required and for the circumcision. And then they had to wait another 40 days for Mary to go through her purification time, as well as after 40 days, they took Jesus to the temple and they dedicated him there before the priest. And you can read about that in the book of Luke. And so 40 days have passed. So now a five-day journey there and a five-day journey back, let's call it two weeks, has now turned into more than a month. And they're still in Bethlehem, but it gets worse because the king, King Herod, hears about what's going on. He's irate of all this talk of a new king who's been born in Bethlehem, tries to figure out who it is, can't figure out where the child is or how to find the child that is, and so ends up making this incredibly horrific decision. Let's kill all the baby boys age two years old and younger. And so as that begins to be executed and, and gone out with the, the soldiers into Bethlehem and the surrounding regions, God warns Joseph through a dream and says, take the child and leave, leave now. And so they go to Egypt. That's not Nazareth. That's now going west quite a ways. And studies say and scholars say that they probably spent four to six years in Egypt. So what should have been a two-week trip turned into a potentially upwards of six-year journey before they get home. That's being flexible. That's not easy to go through. And here you see this first Christmas uh, experience. They had to be flexible. So I want to ask this morning, what areas, what ways do you need to adjust this Christmas? Maybe for you, it's, it's extended family and some traditions that kind of aren't the most ideal. Maybe for you, you're in a blended family and you're bouncing between two places. Maybe for you, it's, it's something else that, that uh, ha- has come up that it requires that you be flexible this Christmas. In order to have right relationships, I think it's important that we have a degree of flexibility. So in review, as we think about developing and making room for right relationships, number one, that we be focused on the Lord this Christmas? What steps do you need to take to be focused on Him? That we be forgiving in our relationships with others? Who do you need to forgive this Christmas? That we be flexible in some of the plans and expectations that we set as we think about this time of year. So as a takeaway, I want to encourage you with something. I want to encourage you with this. That this Christmas, that you intentionally find a way to make a positive memory, relationship memory with someone else this Christmas. Could you think of one way to do that this Christmas, a positive relationship memory? What could that look like? Because see, all of us have Christmas memories, don't we? You right now, you could close your eyes and you could Rolodex back and you just remember, even from young age all the way up through adulthood, of just special Christmas moments, or maybe for you, they're painful Christmas moments, but we have them. This Christmas, make a positive relationship Christmas memory. I know for me, I can remember growing up when I was young, my, my parents 
they did this for year after year. They would make a big deal out of, and I, I was really into it too, the whole Santa thing. And they, of course, had the cookies and the, and the uh, eggnog out and the half-eaten cookie in the morning, but they would do footprints and ash that would go out from the fireplace. And I would be like, oh my goodness, he's a size 10, just like you, Dad. I mean, it was incredible how it's, you know, it's just, you got so into it. It was, it, it was his footprint, right? And and then later in life, for, for Laura and I, as we we're starting our family, I can remember um, we wrapped, not all the way she could breathe, but we wrapped up Elena when she was a newborn. She's a December baby for Sean and Megan to come downstairs and open their baby sister and, and how special that was. And so we, we've had other memories too. I mean, we, we have these memories. But see, here's the thing I'm convinced about. And it's your next and your, your last fill in the blank. I know it's a long one. There's a lot of fill in the blanks, but there it is right there. It's this, that the older you get, the value of gifts decrease and the value of moments and memories with loved ones increases. Isn't that true? The older you get, the gift doesn't matter as much. It's the moments. It's the memories. It's, the, it's those precious times that you're going to hang on to. Those right relationships, those positive moments, you're like, this is special because we're together. And that's what is so meaningful. So again, this Christmas, I want to encourage you, make a positive relationship memory with someone else. Think it through, plan it out, be flexible in your plan, but think through how can we do that this Christmas? I want to uh, just transition real quick too into something else here. Just in a moment, I invite the band to come on if you would, please. But in a moment, we are, uh, we're going to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. And uh, Sue talked about earlier on the connection card as well. So if you haven't yet had a chance to fill that out, and on the front side, if you want to be a part of the mobile food pantry or Christmas caroling tonight, which I want to encourage you to come out for that. It's going to be a dynamic, really fun, just being together, making memories kind of a time. And so uh, please come out for that. But you can check that on the front. On the back side, of course, is prayer request section. You can fill it out. So we'll receive the Lord's tithes and offerings and also the offering uh, the connection card that is here in just a moment. And we're, we're going to worship and we're going to sing here to conclude the service. Um, but I also want to uh, draw your attention really for one of our final Sundays here. We'll do it next week as well, but, but the Tree of Hope to my right. And if, if you haven't yet heard about the Tree of Hope, the Tree of Hope is a place where for, uh, for any of us, we can go and, and we, can, we can find encouragement there, we pray, and, and just uh, an opportunity to be ministered to and to minister to other people. Uh, the way it works is a handful of different ways. First, you can go up and you can grab a bulb, and you'll see there's obviously a lot of bulbs there on the tree, and those are in memory of a loved one that we've had to say goodbye to, either this year or, or in years past, it doesn't matter, but uh, somebody that you miss, somebody that this Christmas, it feels different because they're not here. And so you can go up this morning and you can fill out a bulb and hang that up there in memory of a loved one. We also have up there on the table, we have prayer cards. They're not in your bulletin this week, but they're up there. And you can take a moment, and you can just fill out a, a prayer request that you might have. And, uh, and, and you take that, and you fold it up so nobody reads it when they go up there. And we string it up like an ornament, and you hang it up on the tree. Now you'll notice, I don't think there are any prayer cards up there, and that's important. It's not that there weren't up there but, uh, cards, but they now people are going up there and taking those prayer cards and praying for other people. And so if you'd like somebody to commit to pray for you this Christmas, maybe something you're going through, or maybe it's something somebody else is going through, a loved one, uh, a, a friend, somebody that you know about, and you just want them to be praying for you, uh, then you can put that up there, and that will go away today. There'll be people that will take it and pray for you. It was really fun. This week, somebody grabbed mine, and they shot me a little email. 
and just said, I'm praying for you. And that was a tremendous encouragement to me just to know that somebody was praying for, for me and stuff that I'm going through. And so I invite you to go ahead and do that. We're also going to have somebody over there, actually a couple people, uh, to pray with you this morning. And so if you just like prayer this Christmas time and just want to pray with somebody, there'll be a team over there to pray with you uh, this morning. But this Tree of Hope has been an incredibly encouraging uh, thing that we've done here this Christmas. I want to invite you to spend time over there. I also want to mention one more thing. When we think about going through grief and we think about going through hard times, some of what this Tree of Hope has been about uh, a new opportunity is, is coming in January. I just want to mention it to you. Uh, Pastor Tom's been talking about small groups, and we are launching in January small groups. We've got uh, over a dozen small groups to meet throughout the week all over the community of Adel. We're launching another group in January. It's both for New Hope, but it's also for the community as well. And it's a group we're calling Grief Share. And Grief Share is a 12-week gathering where we come together with people who, who maybe you're going through a season where you're struggling. You're going through a season of loss and hurt and, and you, just, you just kind of feel stuck in the grief and, and that's where you're at. But to walk with other people in a supportive community, people that will pray with you and support you and encourage you, getting into scripture and looking what scripture has to say, it's going to be a dynamic group that I'm personally extremely excited about. So more information to come in January as we roll into the new year, but uh, another type of small group that's going to be dynamic. And it just, I want to put it out there because it might be exactly where you're at. And something just to keep in mind, maybe pray about yourself of being a part of this group we're calling Grief Share in the new year. Can we pray together? We're going to pray. We're going to receive the offering so ushers can get ready. And then we're going to stand and we're going to worship not only through giving, but we're going to worship through song as well. Let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity this morning to be together, to, to spend time in song and prayer, to, to hear the kids singing and telling the story of your birth. Father, we pray that it's a story they not only know in their minds, but they've absorbed into their hearts. The reality that you were born into this world to pay for the sins of all mankind. We, we thank you, Father, for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Christmas. And Father, we thank you as well for relationships. And we pray that this, this year, that we would, it would be a year marked by right relationships with you, with others, with our plans. And so, Lord, help us, Father, in this area. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity now to worship through giving. We pray that you would use this to further your work here at New Hope Church and in the community of Adel and really around the world as well. Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray this in your name. Everyone said, amen.